Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Deuteronomy. Hello and happy Monday, faithful listener. This is your host, Jen, here bringing you another episode from Deuteronomy chapter five. And I'm just so excited that you chose to turn on this podcast this morning to start your week out with reading the Bible. So let's read Deuteronomy 5 today, verses 1 through 11. This is actually a recap episode of the Ten Commandments. And we're going to talk about the first three commandments because don't forget, Deuteronomy means the retelling. Moses is retelling the law to the new generation of Israelite children. So that's what Deuteronomy is. So today is going to start a recap of the Ten Commandments, and we're going to talk about the first three. And the first three are the ones God states first because they are having to do with everything regarding how we treat God. So the first three commandments is what I'm going to discuss today. So grab your Bible, Deuteronomy 5, out of the version you prefer. And I'll be reading out the World English Bible version today, or the W-E-B. But once again, that is Deuteronomy 5, verses 1 through 11. Moses called to all Israel and said to them, Hear, Israel, the statutes and the ordinances which I speak in your ears today, that you may learn them and observe to do them. Yahweh our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. Yahweh didn't make this covenant with our fathers, but with us, even us, all of us who are here alive today. Yahweh spoke with you face to face on the mountain out of the middle of the fire. I stood between Yahweh and you at that time to show you Yahweh's word, for you were afraid because of the fire and didn't go up into the mountain saying, I am Yahweh your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make a carved image for yourself, any likeness of what is in heaven above or what is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow yourself down to them nor serve them. For I, Yahweh, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the third and fourth generation of those who hate me and showing loving kindness to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not misuse the name of Yahweh your God, for Yahweh will not hold him guiltless who misuses his name. So if you've been listening to the podcast for a while and you've, uh, you know, went through the book of Exodus with me, you'll know that we already discussed a little bit about the Ten Commandments, particularly in my episode from Exodus chapter 20, though I've mentioned them a handful of times since then. But if you notice, if you go back to Exodus 20 and read the Ten Commandments, it's basically verbatim from Deuteronomy 5. It's like pretty much the exact same thing. And Moses is retelling it to this new generation of people. So here's what it says in verse one of Deuteronomy five. Moses called to all Israel and said to them, hear Israel. So in other words, hear what I'm about to tell you. Hear Israel, the statutes and ordinances, which I speak in your ears today that you may learn and observe and do. So they're supposed to 
be learning from Moses, observing Moses, and not just observing, but then eventually doing them. That is the point of Moses. That was the point of the judges. That was the point of the the priests was to teach the people to do God's law. So basically, Moses is almost like, look at the example that I am setting for you in a sense. Verse two, Yahweh, our God, made a covenant with us in Horeb, Yahweh didn't make this covenant with our fathers, but with us. God gave this law specifically to this generation of people, not to Abraham and to the patriarchs, but to this generation. And Moses is kind of like, you're blessed in a sense because you guys are the ones who have gotten this law. So then he says, Yahweh didn't make this covenant with our fathers, but with us, even us, all of us who are alive here today. And then he even goes on to say how Yahweh spoke face to face with you on the mountain out of the middle of the fire. And this is going back to Exodus 20 once again, where God was literally going to speak to the people. And he did. He spoke from Mount Sinai out of this like thick cloud of darkness. And then there was like thunder going on. I think the mountain shook at one point. If you read Exodus chapter 19, the mountain was just going crazy with God's presence there. (laughs) The mountain was shaking. There was darkness. There was clouds. There was lightning. There was fire. There was just all sorts of stuff going on. And the people were freaked out because they saw God's presence there on the mountain and were absolutely terrified. Even before God told them not to come up on the mountain, the people right then and there, just seeing God's presence like that, they were absolutely horrified. So then at that point, God is like, okay, no one come up on the mountain. Only Moses and Aaron are allowed to come onto the mountain, basically. God still spoke to the entire congregation of people. And Moses specifically told the people well in advance to prepare themselves to hear God's voice. So they were supposed to do a handful of things. They were supposed to like wash themselves, I think it was. I think they were supposed to wash their clothes and also wash themselves. And they were also supposed to abstain from sex. So they were supposed to make themselves as pure as possible in order to hear God's voice. But it wasn't enough. The people still, after doing all that for three days, were still not ready to experience God's presence. So they were horrified. They were so scared. And so God says, don't let any of the people come near the mountain. Only you, Moses and Aaron, Aaron uh, was Moses's brother, only they were allowed to go up on the mountain. So that's what Moses says. He says, I stood between Yahweh and you at that time to show you Yahweh's word, for you were afraid because of the fire and didn't go up onto the mountain. So then after this, Moses says, God said to you, I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. So even though God's presence was up on that mountain, God is so glorious and so huge, so big. I mean, I mean, think of a mountain, right? I mean, I don't live near mountains. There's no mountains in Ohio. It's a pretty flat state. (laughs) But uh, I've seen mountains before. When I was going through Italy with my husband, there were some beautiful, beautiful mountains in Italy. I just remember being awestruck by these absolutely gorgeous mountains with like waterfalls and everything when we were going through uh, Italy by train. And I was, like I said, awestruck by these mountains. So think of a mountain and God's presence literally covering this entire mountain and his voice booming, being so big that 
it reaches the ears of every single person in the Israelite camp, which, by the way, there is probably approximately two million people living in that camp that heard God's voice there. So this just shows how big, I suppose, God really is, that he was able to cover a mountain and that his voice just boomed through everything and everybody was able to hear it. I mean, just think about how scary that would be. That would be just so beyond us, right, that we would be horrified. And that's what the people were. They were horrified when they heard God's voice coming out of the mountain. So God, first and foremost, when he speaks to all the people, he says, I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. So he declares who he is. There was no guessing. God says, I am Yahweh, your God. So he tells the people who he is. Then he gives them the commandments. And if you listen to my episode on Friday, my sister and I were on the podcast together. And my sister made a really great point about if God is God and he is so beyond us and so above us, then he has the right to tell us what to do. So first, God establishes the fact that he is God and that he is their God. He is the Israelites God. He is Yahweh. He is the only God. Then he begins to tell the people what to do. So he starts with these three commandments that we're going to talk about today. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. Now, this does not mean that we can have other gods as long as Yahweh God is first. That No, that's not what this means. When God says that you shall have no other gods before me, that literally means before God's face. So he doesn't want to see any other gods. He does not want to see us worshiping any other gods. He does not want us to have any carved images. He doesn't want us having any idols in our life. So it's not that we can worship other gods as long as we put Yahweh God first. That's not what this meant. That is not what God was saying here. He was saying, I don't want to see another God. I don't want to see you guys worshiping anything. And he goes on to explain why in a moment. He says, you shall not make a carved image for yourself. Any likeness, anything. You shouldn't have any carved images. This is a point that Moses was making a lot in the last chapter of Deuteronomy. We talked about carved images quite a bit and just idols in general. All through Deuteronomy 4, Moses made it super clear the people were not supposed to make any kind of image. They didn't know what Yahweh looked like. They didn't see a form in this fire. They heard the voice, but they didn't see what Yahweh looked like. So they can't make anything and worship it and call it Yahweh. They would be worshiping something else. They'd be worshiping a carved idol, an image and assigning an identity to something that can't see, hear, or walk. And I already made this point, but I'll say it again. That would be like me. I enjoy painting. That would be like me paint, trying to paint a picture of Jesus, even though we don't know what Jesus looks like, trying to paint a picture of that, and then worshiping that picture. That, that would be absurd, right? Because we're not actually worshiping Jesus at that point. We are worshiping our man-made construct, of Jesus. So God makes it very clear. Don't have any other gods and do not make any carved images. Then he says here, you shall not bow yourself down to these images nor serve them. For I, Yahweh, your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. 
but showing kindness to thousands who love me and keep my commandments. So this is just God showing his mercy because we know that there have been times where God punished his people for turning away from him and for worshiping other gods. We see that God does end up punishing them and punishing their children as well because the children were a part of all that. The children were taught to worship these little G gods. So God ended up taking them out of the promised land. But that only lasted for a little while. God never forgot his people, but in God's mercy, he eased up on the punishment very, very quickly, which we'll see later on also. But he says, if though, if you love me and you follow my commandments and you serve me, your God, then I am going to show loving kindness to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. We see that God does that. When there is somebody who loves God, he often blesses the people that are around that person. He's not just blessing that person, but he's blessing everybody else who has contact with that person. For example, uh, Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph is one of my favorite uh, Old Testament characters. He was in Potiphar's house. Potiphar was an Egyptian man who likely worshipped other gods, but yet God blessed Potiphar because of Joseph. And God blessed Potiphar's entire household because of Joseph. Not just blessing Joseph, but everybody that had contact with Joseph also, God blessed those people. And we see that a handful of times throughout scripture also where God shows blessing, not just on the person, but on the people surrounding that person also. And that's just God's mercy. Even though those people might not be, you know, um, Christian or something like that. God often does that. And I do believe that to this day, God does do that. I believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I do think that God continually shows mercy and love and kindness to people who surround a uh, Christian individual. So then after this, you shall not misuse the name of Yahweh your God, for Yahweh will not hold him guiltless who misuses his name. Depending on the version you read, this might actually say you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. But I like the fact that the World English Bible says misuse rather than take in vain. Because I think that we've taken that commandment and not exactly properly applied it. I do believe that, yes, we should not take God's name in vain. In other words, we shouldn't just use God's name as like a curse word because God's name is not a curse word. We should have uh, reverence for God's name. But I don't think that's just what this commandment is talking about. Misusing God's name can mean multiple things, in my opinion. It could mean saying that you're a Christian, saying that you believe in God, saying that you believe in Jesus, and then going out and doing something totally opposite that a Christian wouldn't do. I do believe that that is a form of misusing God's name. And the way this was translated in some versions, we often don't see that. We don't think of that as taking God's name in vain. But in a sense, it, it definitely is. We are pretending to be Christ followers, but then doing something totally different. That is definitely taking God's name in vain. So yes, I do believe that this doesn't just mean using God's name as a curse word, I do think that it is much broader than that. It just means that we need to have reverence for God. Just in general, have reverence for God's name and take that very, very seriously. We need to make sure that we are shining our lights 
right? As Jesus said, shine our lights to everybody by doing what we say that we believe. And I know that that is very hard to do. (laughs) I was actually talking to my sister after we did our episode on Friday and she was like, "Did, did I sound too preachy? And I was like, no, I don't think you did. And both of us got into this conversation like we hate sounding preachy, you know, because it could come across as, you know, we think we're better than other people. And if you know my sister, she's not like that at all. She does not. (laughs) She does not think she's better than other people. My point with all of that is, though, is that I'm sitting here talking to you guys about the Bible and I need to make sure that I also am doing what I'm telling you guys to do in a sense. So if I say, you know, you need to take God's name super seriously. I'm sure God is looking at me right now and going, Jen, you better also take it very seriously because you told other people to take it seriously. So if I tell you guys to do something on this podcast and I'm not living it myself, that is in a way taking God's name in vain. And I do think this is why God judges leaders and teachers more strongly than other people. In fact, I just read today in the book of James that God judges teachers harsher than the average individual. And that is why people shouldn't become teachers just willy nilly. (laughs) James basically says that he's like, don't everybody become teachers because God does judge teachers more strongly than other people. And I think it all comes back to this commandment right here. If they are telling people to do something and they don't end up doing it themselves or they're doing something opposite, then they are breaking this commandment about having reverence for God's name and not taking it in vain. So yeah, just so I think that's more of a warning than anything else that Christians are supposed to be, in a sense, the priests. We are supposed to be leaders and and showing people the correct way to live, right? I mean, Hebrews talks about that. And because you and I are Christians, because you and I have God's word, we need to be very careful not to break one of these first three commandments, because then that's teaching other people who see our lifestyle that it's okay to do that. And then that's leading people astray away from God. So these first three commandments, very important, and we should be taking them very, very seriously. Well, faithful listener, before you go, my new YouTube video is going to be coming out very, very soon. So go over to the YouTube page. I have it linked in the bio of this podcast episode. Go over there and subscribe so that you don't miss any new episodes. That is exclusive content specifically for YouTube. So check out all the links in the bio of the podcast episode and subscribe to each thing. And also don't forget that yesterday started Advent, which means you need to get your Advent books now. The one that I just published, The Teen Girl's Guide to Advent. So if you know a teenage girl or if you run a girls group or anything like that, grab some books for your group and uh, follow along with Advent. But faithful listeners, I'll see you tomorrow morning for an episode out of Luke. We are about to finish up Luke and we're moving into John very soon. And right now we are getting into the death and resurrection of Jesus. So tune in tomorrow, 6 a.m. or whenever you wake up. Happy listening and God bless. Ooh.